our, our real goal and our mission is to sort of disrupt that that bombardment we have of digital information every day and turn it into knowledge. And how do we do that in this society where 97% of us will be within three feet of our phone for the rest of our life? And so why don't we create a better behavior out of that opportunity? Welcome to Cross Pollination, Episode 19. We're a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You're listening to Cross Pollination, where we are here to plant familiar ideas in new soil. Our guests are original, creative, and bold. They've typically done something differently from other people in their fields and gotten interesting, sometimes unexpected results. I'm NB, and I'll be your host. This week, Cross Pollination talks to a man with a bear in his office who just may be as comfortable outside a building as in one. No, it's not Wolverine. It's not even Survivor Man. It's Ron Teal, president and co-founder of Expand Interactive. Ron doesn't have steel claws, but the themes of his company and his own background are all about bold exploration. Expan is based in Calgary, Alberta, and it provides a variety of e-learning services to international clients. Ron tells us how he and Expan got their start, like so many of our guests, in a counterintuitive way, starting from photography and developing cross-pollinating expertise in adult education, storytelling, and using augmented reality and virtual reality to take e-learning in an immersive new direction. This week's episode is about learning and knowledge in organizations, how that's changing, and about walking the tightrope of new tech while creating a company that's all about imagination in a town that's all about oil and gas. So growing up, yeah, small town BC uh, in the 80s, I, I did make my way to university and study geophysics, but my passion had always been in photography and journalism and telling stories about and and using journalism as a mechanism to actually go and experience the world and tell stories and and uh, and uh, try adventure actually for that. So after dropping out of university, not finishing and getting a job with a newspaper, I spent the first couple of years as a sports journalist and sports photojournalist. And so that really gave me the the legs to stand on when it came to journalism and had a great fun time doing that, but I did get some opportunities to to get into the backcountry and actually start doing some stories, uh, what then was new in our you know sort of in our, in our sort of Western Hemisphere was ecotourism early '90s, and uh, so ecotourism was sort of taking off. So I jumped on that bag bandwagon and and left the newspaper and became a sort of a full time freelancer at that point. So magazine work, and spent ten years um, really just living out of a tent, living in the backcountry and photographing both wildlife and and adventure travel. And all predominantly in, in what's now known as sort of the Great Bear Rainforest in, in the sort of northwest of British Columbia, Yukon, Rocky, sort of western Canada, and then telling that story to uh, really the globe, so magazines and newspapers around the world. And then throughout the 90s, as and, and I was always a bit of a, a geek and a nerd, so as the internet sort of came to fruition and sort of took off, I started to digitalize my stories and going online with those. And the theme of cross-pollination actually was one of the things in the 90s was sort of bridging the gap between uh, environmentalism, uh, corporations, government, uh, First Nations, and actually sort of lowering the spectrum and working together with everybody and trying to make sure that the story that we're telling was actually you know, utilized by a, a greater population rather than being one-dimensional. So we uh, we worked, when I say we, it was the company I was working with that I started in Vancouver called Impact Communications that became sort of an advocate for corporate and environmental uh, communication. So we worked with forestry companies, um, and then we took that all online uh, throughout the 90s. And then 
you know, lo and behold, um, married with a child, uh, needed a place to actually set roots. Um, I felt that, you know, traveling that much was a little bit uh, problematic when it came to raising a family. So I moved to Calgary, where most of my family was, and uh, created XPAN at that point. XPAN, of course, didn't start out fully formed doing what it does now. The company started out focusing on websites and other digital content, and, with ears perked like the bears in Ron's early photos, they listened widely to a prospective customer's pain points and pivoted into training and e-learning, a shift that's taken the company further into tech, storytelling, and exploring new ways to communicate information and turn it into knowledge. You know, whether it was advertising, marketing, uh, we had no idea what e-learning or even computer-based training was at that point. But we were you know, we were real advocates for telling stories online, um, and so knocking on doors and networking around in in Calgary, we um, we came upon Calgary Transit actually, and, and trying to work with them, and they asked in their their exact words, "Well, we didn't know no stinking website was the actual words they used. Uh, we need training, and so knowledge was sort of a, a, a intriguing to us, and we thought, well, why not? Um, you know, why not us, and why not e-learning?" And so we uh, we jumped on that bandwagon, and and lo and behold, it was sort of a world that was um, very. Uh, it became very passionate for us because we we got to actually lo- you know lower the sort of the, the the barriers to transferring knowledge. We saw this mass exodus of baby boomers leaving the workforce. We saw a new workforce coming into play that were looking for new ways to learn, and so e-learning became that mechanism. So for for since 2001, we we jumped on to the e-learning bandwagon, and and for 10 years it was sort of that traditional multimedia and e-learning mechanism. Xpan was actually founded by by three partners. Um, so actually, a, a retiree of Calgary Transit was came and joined me, and uh, so Terry Lavoie and and I start founded Xpan as as partners. Um, he soon retired thereafter, and as he, as he moved on, and um, and then once we actually grew within the first years as a, as a startup, um, we found ourselves um, struggling to scale a company as a as a tech company. So we did bring on uh, some venture capital. And- we ended up buying two other companies, acquiring two other companies that actually knew what they were doing in the e-learning space, um, unlike us uh, being very naive. Uh, so we, we we brought on the expertise that we needed. We grew very quickly and and essentially became that startup with four founding partners. Um, so yeah, for the first 10 years, we actually had no clients in Alberta. Uh, so all of our clients were US-based, primarily in transportation, in the rail side of things. Um, we were very fortunate with our success with Calgary Transit that uh, with Siemens building the trains here, they took us into that marketplace across North America, and we we took off there. But in 2009, when that when we had an economic downturn, we were forced to diversify. So, so the the logical path for us was coming back home and into the energy world. Speaking of naive, that's not unusual, according to many of our past guests and other entrepreneurs I know who've jumped into waters they didn't exactly know how to navigate beforehand. Some have called it an advantage in being able to come to their field with a fresh set of eyes. Others have said it was a good thing they didn't know exactly what they were getting into, or they might not have done it. I asked Ron what he thinks about the role of naivete in starting a company, and where it's led in pursuing opportunities, and growing a particular culture. Naivety is, um, is a, a blessing and a curse for sure. I mean, certainly the um, if I look at all the things and all those, those sort of milestones and growth, and um, there was no straight critical path or trajectory to those and so whether it was um, 
I, I think staying humble and staying, staying vulnerable and, and being open to those opportunities is always going to be important. Uh, so seeing, you know, having a, you know, your heart open to those ones, you, you never know where those opportunities are coming from. So being sort of having a network uh, was very important to us as well. So making sure that integrity, uh, empathy is one of our key values at XBAN. Um, so having those things as, as sort of foundational uh, values was really important. And, and we're always surprised and always still intrigued of where those growth opportunities come from in the next, le- ne- next level. And since in this episode, we're talking to an Alberta-based entrepreneur, if you're enjoying this episode, you might enjoy the podcast, Let's Do Coffee by the Maji Centre at Nate. It's hosted by Daniel Van Velen and produced by the Maji Centre for New Venture and Student Entrepreneurship at Nate. Each episode features an interview with a student entrepreneur or Nate alumnus. They dive into topics that explore their challenges, questions, and fears involved in operating their companies. Let's Do Coffee comes out every two weeks, and you can find it at nate.ca slash Center. So XPAN does cool stuff, right? Well, what actually is it? The company provides online or e-learning services for large global companies in industries like transportation, health, medicine, retail, government, energy. Teams of employees design and develop content, others focus on video, rapid authoring, augmented and virtual reality. They've also developed their own e-learning platform, what Ron calls a super light SaaS platform, software as a service, as well as working with other e-learning platforms. Among other things, the idea behind e-learning is that it's dynamic, flexible, more widely available, more easily accessible, more effective, and sometimes cheaper than traditional style classroom learning. It, in- it can integrate learning material from many different sources in many different formats. Adding an adaptive artificial intelligence component personalizes the learning process, targeting areas like what users need to learn, their level of knowledge, skill, other things. It can work to help users retain key information better and master the material. All this learning is pretty critical these days in organizations and industries where things are changing and where employees need to acquire knowledge coming into new roles as their roles evolve for many reasons. For companies focused on innovation, learning is pretty essential. Uh, so XBand's platform is what we call a super light uh, learning management system. So it augments typical enterprise-level learning management systems that most large industry uses. And it's it's really good for contingency workforce development, um, interim workforce development, onboarding. Um, it has a, a very robust artificial intelligence uh, learning system for, for testing as well. So um, a lot of industry associations use it for professional development as well. Um, so that's sort of where where it sits. There's there are approximately 1,250 learning management systems on the market, and we found we found that there's a bit of a niche there for on sort of that super light lower end SaaS model that that uh, that utilizes essentially AI to to adapt learning. As Ron mentioned, XPan has also gone fully into the augmented reality and virtual reality worlds, AR and VR. They're hot new technologies where, as we heard in episode 10 with VizWorks, their use cases are still developing. That makes XBAN a bit of a leader in this field. They're helping to explore and develop new uses in relation to e-learning. Ron talks here about some ideas of how that might happen. Yeah, we went full into the the AI world uh, with our platform. We also went full in with AR and VR. And I think we're sort of in those early days um, of that, that industry. And there's a lot of companies that are doing very interesting things. Um, the trend right now is trying to think 
of that sort of linear classroom you know, learning and taking that into VR and AR, whereas I think we need to rethink it completely and how we can actually take people into that that space. Mixed reality in general is going to be, I think, the the biggest growth for for learning, where you can actually overlay content and knowledge into a rea- you know reality situation, and where VR we can actually we call that sort of the empathy machine. We can bring people into a in a place where completely immerse them into a situation that they can understand very quickly of how to do things. I did say we were going to get warm and fuzzy with empathy. If you haven't heard, empathy's been suggested as one of the 21st century's most important career skills, from everything from understanding and designing well for customers to leadership and working closely in collaborative teams. In working with VR and AR, one of the interesting things about XPAN is their strategy in tapping second-mover advantages in the market. As a company that pushes forward on new ways to use these technologies in a familiar area learning, rather than being a developer of those new technologies or bringing them into completely new applications, they can avoid incurring the risks that first movers do. Putting in substantial capital to educate a market as to what the tech is and how to use it or having to introduce it as a brand new product. It's a winning tactic in exploring with innovative technology being ahead, but not so far out on the cutting edge to put XPAN or their clients at risk. Ron describes one of the VR projects XPAN has worked on that allows users to put themselves behind the wheel of some very big machinery. The VR project we're most proud of right now is uh, in our partnership with Women Building Futures. Um, they are sort of national organization trying to increase the the population of women in trades. Uh, right now, we're about three percent of, of the trades are women, and it would be nice to get that at least to ten percent. So, how do we, uh, you know, sort of lower the fear or lower those barriers for women getting into the trades? So, we created a, a platform, but also a VR experience for heavy equipment operations, and partnered with Finning and Cat to to actually. Have have an experience of what it's like to drive one of those massive machines and uh, it was great success so we actually took that into the communities um, first nation communities as well as you know uh, conferences with women that are interested in getting to the trades and great success so far it's went national and we're we're having fun with that that sounds like a lot of fun as an immersive experience I asked Ron if he got to drive one of those massive machines. Uh, I didn't get to drive one myself but um, but the actual the 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 production itself was um, we, we actually shot um, that VR experience in 8K cinematic 360, which at the time, is what, 18 months ago, that m- there weren't very many people doing that in a sort of interactive space. So we actually brought a crew in from you know, National Geographic, from Vancouver film scene, and helped us to actually shoot that with, uh, with, his, with the success we needed. We've always been cautious, so we're, I wouldn't say Xpan is a leading edge or a, you know on that very cusp. But we actually we won't expose expose our clients to risks that uh, put them you know put their their company or their business in jeopardy. So we will only uh, you know use proven methodologies. But we do spend quite a bit on research and development, and we have certain progressive partners and and clients that would want us and work with us to actually build solutions that may have not been done, been done before. So we're always looking for those partners to. Say Say, let's try let's try something new and we can bring our expertise and best practices to that to that solution as well so we're we're incrementally always looking for better ways to do things um, and looking for new technologies and we we whether the word thought leaders is true, but we're, we spend a lot of time speaking at conferences uh, in our in our vein in terms of what we can do better and, and, and using that feedback from our industry to actually to adopt new change as well. At the same time as XPAN is immersed in the world of tech and trending more to becoming a software company, they're also treading a parallel path in the world of storytelling. It's a cross-pollination that's not as odd as you might think. 
If you heard episode 11 with Krista Avampado, a software product developer, fiction and business writer, tech and storytelling have a natural affinity. In the world of e-learning, key information incorporated in the form of stories through case studies, examples, and other story formats can help communicate that information better, help people understand and retain it more clearly and strongly, and then go on to apply it. Understanding in-depth the culture and values of Xband's clients versus trying to build knowledge about specific industry sectors is key, Ron says, to creating e-learning experiences that are aligned tightly with their clients. This is putting good design into action and designing well to develop products and services that speak directly and deeply to people in the organizations they're meant for. Yeah, and so I, the one piece on that is that, you know, the, the, the modality that we use is more about um, storytelling, first of all, and not just uh, adult learning principles, but it's also around aligning with our organization's uh, culture and values as well. So to make sure that we are, you know, the story and the experience that we're sharing in a, in a knowledge uh, transfer is, is aligned with that as well. We found that when it comes to actually transferring knowledge and actually you know, providing digital knowledge experiences, um, you know, our instructional designers, that's that's really the role is to digest and, and, and disseminate that information from the subject matter experts. We will never profess to be the subject matter experts. Our clients will bring that knowledge to us and we'll transfer it into a digital space. We're pretty picky of who we get to work with. Uh, we want to make sure that they are believers in hiring and building, a, uh, having a learning culture, first of all, um, not just being compliant, but actually building a learning culture and also having the values uh, that surround that as well. And so we want to make sure we align with those. So we are partners that we work with. Um, we're quite proud of when it comes to building that. So it takes a while, but essentially we're extensions of their organization when it comes to training. What does a learning culture mean? Is it more this idea we keep hearing and in innovation about continuous learning? It seems to mean different things in different organizations and different industries. But yes, and it implies that continuous learning should let organizations change and improve continuously as well. Employee learning builds human capital, and as people acquire more skills, organizations can hopefully be more nimble in facing change, which, by now we know, is pretty much the state of the world. In the context of innovation, another way learning takes place is through strategically designed experiments. That's where augmented reality can really offer to make a difference in organizations innovating by changing their processes. Process changes can be risky, challenging, expensive, and cumbersome, and AR can allow organizations to carry out experiments and simulate the effect of those changes before making them in practice. So it's potentially a powerful tool for a learning organization. Creating a learning culture is also where Ron believes there's a lot more room for companies to develop and let learning out of the box. Um, yeah, absolutely. The, the, the big thing I would like to see is sort of a cultural shift. Um, if we look at an economic downturn, typically the first things to be cut are training budgets as well, um, you know, sort of on the human capital side. So if we look at, you know, the, some of the buzzwords in terms of Industry 4.0 or the Internet of Things, we're looking at uh, the digitalization of industry. And and so we're looking at the disruption of human capital in that regard. So, and and so it, that that might be a reality that we have to face. Uh, I don't think that we're going to get much around that in terms of how automation is going. However, for the people that are there and working, it's uh, creating a learning culture is going to be key. And so you know the expectations of productivity are going to be there. So, and for that to, to happen. Um, 
learning and knowledge have to be a, a core pillar of an organization's culture. And we're not seeing that enough. Um, we're seeing still more of a, a check mark, bum in seat, and, and get them to the front lines. Whereas if we can invest in people in their knowledge, I think we'll, we'll do a lot better as a, as a society. If that's a goal for industry, what does that mean at XPAN? How does an organization that's all about e-learning do learning on its own turf? I asked Ron how much employees come in ready-made for the unusual kind of work they do, and how much they add to, build, and shift their skill sets once they're on the job. What he says is very much in line with what Gal Corfus told us in Episode 4 about the tech sector where things evolve and change at high speed, and continuous learning is part of the game. In this case, it's also part of XBAN's strategy to stay competitive, creative, and ready to move on opportunities coming over the horizon. For the most part, they do not come with the skills needed. Um, so, and people come with their primary, secondary, tertiary skills. And so, whether it's um, you know media development, whether it's writing, instructional design, um, but very few come with the sense that. To actually create an interactive um, knowledge transfer and experience is very difficult, and to have one, and so, so all those elements that go into say a say a Pixar movie versus a you know a Xbox game or a you know a new a new film, those elements all have to come into learning as well, right? So that, that interactive and you know entertainment, the engagement, and just the production quality. So people come with their certain skill set, but quickly um, evolve to utilizing some of those extra skills as well i'm always intrigued to see how those do develop because we find that you know our videographer all of a sudden becomes a a 3d expert or you know programmers now are getting into ux and so we're we're always exploring and opening up those those doors for people to learn more as well that learning philosophy is one that ron applies to his own leadership and in promoting his company's culture not something every company leader is always willing to admit But not every company started through an unconventional path the way this one has, and then thrived in a city where talent is typically clustered towards the major local industry, energy. Yeah, my I, I wish I could evolve faster, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it's uh, too soon we get old and too late we get smart. I think is the saying. But um, um, no, I, I'm not a part of so much of the of the day to day operations anymore. Um, in fact, I, I'm trying to keep up just as a leader to as a company scales scale scales up to develop those new leadership skills too. When it comes to you know business development, operations, finance, all those things. So I I'm trying to keep up to that evolution myself. I always thought that a culture could be sort of manufactured or created and sort of facilitated, but but really it's not uh, from from learning that way and, and and building. You know, the the goal here is to build leaders and build teams that can you know work together. And so just by that uh, taking down those barriers, we found that the culture grew exponentially on its own. From exponential growth in websites to e-learning platforms and VR. Ron believes as e-learning transitions into immersive learning, like with VR, and what he describes as micro-learning, like from relatively short and specific videos like the kind you might find on YouTube, although maybe with less distractibility quotient, I went to learn sound equalization and ended up a beekeeping expert, the next wave and opportunity for e-learning is in what we can do with our phones. And we, we see a disruption. We, we, we don't see a, a long future for learning management systems. It's still a growing marketplace. But if you look at the early adopters at this point, we're seeing that the deployment of sort of institutional knowledge is being you know deployed on other platforms now and, and or what we call now the Internet of Things or whatever else you want to call it. But that's sort of where it's we, we see every year that um, the, the knowledge that we produce um, is deployed on learning management systems less and less. 
And so we're seeing that uh, opening up or taking down barriers to access to knowledge. And we're seeing it go two ways. So one is more that if you look at the YouTube generation and seeing where there's uh, micro learning, there's a lot of buzzwords there in terms of having a library of smaller pieces of knowledge as needed, just in time learning. And then the other side is more the immersive side where it's, you know, whether it's AR or VR, but that artificial intelligence that can actually provide the, the right knowledge there as well. So we are going through a bit of a transition right now, and for the sole reason that our whole industry is transitioning, and I'll, you know, disruption or innovation or however you want to look at it, but we are converting a portion of our company to a SaaS model, so our platform will become a, a we are moving to becoming more of a software company. And on one side and the other side, we are getting more immersive in our storytelling. We want to really explore the sort of the the edges of what that looks like when it comes to transferring knowledge. And, and our, our real goal and our mission is to sort of disrupt that, that bombardment we have of digital information every day and turn it into knowledge. And how do we do that in this society where... 97% of us will be within three feet of our phone for the rest of our life. And so why don't we create a better behavior out of that opportunity and, uh, and utilize that flow of, of information for knowledge. And so building workforces and, and, and building workforces that can actually go, go home with that, that new behavior as well. Uh, so we, we're, we're going to move more into um, immersive technology and more to the SaaS model. So it's sort of a fork in the road that we're going to explore both sides and a fork in the road for a creative, imaginative company that's all about learning and exploration. If you'd like to know more about Xpan Interactive, and in particular if you happen to be an educational tech startup and you're interested in the creation of a tech incubator focused on that sector, you can reach Ron and the company at www.xpan.ca. If you enjoyed this podcast of cross-pollination about an Alberta-based company, the Alberta Podcast Network is powered by ATP Financial, which is on a mission to transform banking by making it work for people. They do this through their customer obsession and by innovating at the forefront of robotics, AI, blockchain, and the future. Visit www.alphabeta.com to learn more. If you'd like to comment on this show, you can reach me at crosspollination.co or at Polinata one on Twitter. And I always appreciate any listeners who subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or anywhere else. Thanks for listening, and see you next time for an episode with international design and consumer products expert and author Deepa Prahalad on innovation in emerging markets and what lessons it has for other regions.